0: So for this missionary uh, presentation, for this forum, we'd like to go through, we'd like to focus on uh, two domestic missions. Many of us, when we think of missions, we always think of a foreign country, some far-off place that most of us will never be able to visit. But in reality, we have a mission field all around us. And so that's why this year at camp we want to um, focus on two of them. Uh, Following those two, uh, we'd like to focus on some uh, three foreign missions, and again there 's many foreign missions, and we only have time to focus on three of them and then uh, finally, to wrap up of how you can get involved. next slide, please. So from the domestics, domestic mission front, there are many that are going on, and many of you know and i 've heard presentations on these, and we 're not going to go into them again this year we 're going to focus on two new ones those, those are the ones that are highlighted in red, the Beverly Hills, Michigan. Um, the trailer park, as well as the Mansfield Ohio uh, Women's Shelter. Next slide, please. So I'd like to call up Brother Bob Varga for the, uh, to talk about the mission
1: in Beverly Hills. Hello, everyone. Um, we don't really look at, at what we're doing as a mission, to be honest with you. It was more of kind of trying to find God's purpose and feeling that this is a direction that we needed to go in. Um, the history behind it is that that one of our brothers visited Argentina uh, a little over a year ago, and came back uh, with with something that that was to us profound. He said the churches over there are growing amazingly, and uh, and we're like, wow, how? And he said, well, they're they're going in the poorest sections of town. Their churches are just sprouting everywhere in the in the slums, in the poor sections. And um, and that same brother then had the conviction that. Uh, he should um, go to a trailer park uh, that was nearby that we had helped people in the past there. And uh, he and two other brothers set this up. And, and they did it with the prayer and fasting and the support of, of a lot of us in church. Um, and, it was, and they actually went and, um, and started knocking on doors. And the idea was to, to say, we won't, instead of saying, come to our church, uh, to approach them and say, we want to pray for you. Um, and we want to help you. Is there anything that we can do to... Is there anything you need as far as prayer needs? And it was amazing how... Actually, we've done that in, in other areas in the neighborhood, too. And it's amazing how that opens the door to further conversation rather than just kind of saying, come to our church, here's our church. Just saying, we care about you. We want to pray for you. And um, and they actually talked to three people. Uh, and only one thing happened immediately. And uh, And from... I guess from one trailer, and this was a really bad—I mean, bad—section. Very poor, homeless, destitute type people. Um, we've had a, over the last year an average of, depending on any given Sunday, between four and, and 15 adults and children um, coming, and um, and it fluctuates. And we've had we've had one occasion where where we were the minority in our own church. Can you go to the first slide? Um, and it's been very challenging to be honest with you. Uh, this is Verlinda uh, and uh, and her son Jamad, and, and her daughter Nellie and uh, those two kids are, are are just awesome and they were so hard to deal with at first, but they don't have a, a dad they have a you know a dad obviously, but they don't have a father and um, and they don't understand marriage and, and, and children. Um, Nellie approached my wife and said something to the effect of, uh, those are your kids? Pointing to our daughters. And Leanne said, yeah. And she goes, and you're married? <laughs> Which, I mean, speaks volumes about where they're coming from. And... Uh, and Jamad, every time he sees me, it's little Jamad. His dad is big Jamad, and he comes every once in a while. Little Jamad, every time he sees me, man, he's running. And he just jumps and attaches himself to my leg and to my hip and just won't let go. Um, you know, and I'm usually trying to run around, take care of things, and I'm. And he just, he, the affection the, is, is amazing. And, and that's just one of the, the, the things that warms your heart. Um, some of the results of this um, were... Uh, some have tried to take advantage of us because they've, they've had financial needs. And what's been interesting is that that's been a huge struggle, is how much money should we give, how much money should we not. Um, but one thing we've realized is you can't take advantage of God. Um, he's just a, a little too big to be taken advantage of. And so a classic example is, is we had somebody who came and obviously has tried to take advantage. Um, but she had a kids and she was homeless, and she lived in the trailer park, and she went from trailer to trailer depending on how long people would let her stay in their trailer. Um, and so they would just move her around. From tra- You'd stay with me for a couple days, and you can stay next door for a couple days, and you can just keep moving. Well, we, we were able to set up – actually, now, and this isn't me because I don't feel like I'm a huge part in this except for doing things at church. Um, they were able to establish that she had enough income coming in and talk to her her father, this, this girl's father, and got income from him. And then we paid in, the, like, the first month's rent on a house, that she could rent a house. And she could then pay the monthly rent herself from that point on. Um, and then she stopped coming to church. She had her house. But what we found out is that, like, a month later, not even a month later, um, one of the trailers in the park was condemned. And she now has 13 people um, living in this little house um, you know, 13 different people living in this little house. That, that, and all we did was give her the, the first month's payment, and she thought she was taking advantage of us. In, in retrospect, we see that, you know, that some of God's will is really being fulfilled and that he's providing a place for people to live And At the same time, some of them are coming to church and we're able to plant seeds in them. Um, so there's things like that, and it's a struggle. We found that we need to become social workers, and, and none of us are career social workers, you know, how do you deal with, with kids having kids outside of marriage and not understanding any of how that works, how to raise a kid, how to feed a kid. Um, and the biggest thing that I would say it's it's forced is is it's stretched us. And this has been, we, we prayed to God for growth, and um, he uh, he did, not necessarily a number, but, man, he's stretched us. And it's kind of brought, as we were talking in class today, um, reality to the meat of the word and, and what, what a meat-fed Christian is. When you look at somebody whose teeth are rotting out, um, whose breath smells, who has a bad eye and scarring all over a side of the face and, um, and lives in a hotel because can't afford, you know, um, a place to, to really live, and you're picking them up, and, and how do you treat that person like a human and, and show the love of Jesus to somebody who is, in all honesty, repulsive? Um, how do you show love? And, and that's what Jesus did, and so that's been the growth in us. And we're not there by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel that we've gained the greater blessing out of this. This is Darius real quick um, and his wife Kathleen, I mean his mom Kathleen, excuse me. Um, <laughs> Darius has, Darius has kidney problems and is awaiting a kidney transplant, but they can't transplant his kidney because he also has diabetes, which has affected his heart and weakened his heart to a point that they're afraid that if they do a kidney transplant, he'll die from, from heart problems. Um, and the first day they came to church, they, they came and said, his mom said, I want you to pray over my son. And, you know, we just kind of looked at each other. This isn't something that like we normally do, right? And we don't have an elder, and so... A bunch of gathered a bunch of brothers and the ministering brothers. We took him into a room and laid hands on him and prayed over him. And um, before he came to church, he was going to the hospital every two weeks, not for treatment but because he would have problems that needed, he needed to be hooked up to IV. Um, interestingly enough, not surprisingly, but interestingly enough, since, since we laid hands on him and prayed over him because there was requested and there was nobody else to do it, um, I don't remember the last time he's been to the hospital. Other than for actually going for his treatments. Next slide. Um, just a you know a group picture and and then just go ahead to the next slide and and that's us right now. We're a mixed group. We're learning how to be multicultural. Um, and you know I think that in closing the uh, the statement that really struck a chord is there's one nice homeless gentleman named Mike who who loves coming to church um, and he's in the back on the right side there somewhere on the left side excuse me and. He, He loves coming to church because we respect him. And his own family doesn't respect him. His own family mocks him. And we shake his hand and say, how are you? And we are willing to sit next to him to sing. Um, Not that there isn't problems and issues that that we're not sure we can handle. um, But we're learning how to juggle that. And so I just pray and and want to encourage all of you that that maybe you, you feel led to do something similar. Because... There's needs out there and people come flocking. It's just not the people that we'd like to hang out with that come flocking.
2: Um, I've kind of gotten involved in a um, mission in Mansfield. It's really for our home base, has really been the homeless shelter. There are men there and women and children. Mostly we've been working with the women and children, though. Um, At Mansfield, Middle Belleville Church, we've always had, or for a long time, have had a disaster committee, food pantry clothes closet, and so on. But in October last year, we started the Neighborhood Gospel Outreach. That's a separate entity but works together with those other um, uh, missions. In brief, this outreach has been organized to provide the gospel message as well as food, clothing, and other basic material needs, including some furniture to families in the Mansfield vicinity as a means of showing Christ's love and it's based on the recognition that the gospel message brought to them is the only true life-changing hope for all of us. We recognize a hungry stomach or a cold body does not have hearing ears, and now it has grown and includes regular transportation to and from church, often with a stop to McDonald's on the way or on the way home because they're often hungry, uh, tutoring children at the Harmony House Monday through Friday, um, giving of ourselves and our time as big sisters and big brothers, especially to the children. We're also adopting about a family a month to provide for their material needs and to help them get started after they've, most of them have been moving out of the homeless shelter. How did this all start? Well, really it started in that the Holy Spirit was working in Sister Patty Green's heart about two years ago. That was before her baptism a year and a half ago she knew she needed to connect with needy children and through prayer and clear direction from the Holy Spirit she went to the homeless shelter in town as a real prompting from the Holy Spirit. She didn't have a concrete plan or the words to say at that time but when she got that prompting she immediately went to try to find it Um, and God blessed her efforts and a plan was born. Um, Our first referral came from the director of the homeless shelter, and it was a family of a mom and two kids who had been in an abusive situation and had run, only had the clothes on their back. But the mom had shown some initiative, found a job in an apartment, and they moved out of the Harmony House. But they had nothing. Um, Patty had mentioned in my, the Bible study that I was attending what was going on and how the Holy Spirit was working in her life. She also mentioned this to Chris, uh, Sister Chris Friend, and we both came to her and asked if we could help. And it just worked out that that very first time we met with this family, the three of us were together. We prayed about that, and, and then we brought this matter to the church. And it was awesome to see the generosity of our church. And they provided furniture, clothing, food, and even some toys. Promptly, within two weeks, that, that household was um, set up. We had another family a couple weeks later. It was a mom and a dad um, and three kids, two months old, two years, and maybe I can't remember, five years, four years. And uh, they again had nothing. Um, uh, When Patty, there were three girls, and Patty is a mom of um, three of two boys, and didn't have any girl clothes around. So she prayed about what to do, and the Holy Spirit laid on her heart to call a few people who had girls, and the outpouring again of clothing for the girls as well as winter coats for the mom and dad um, was amazing. Uh, actually, we held back and only gave them five outfits because um, of uh, the amount of clothes that we got at that time. At any rate, short time after we gave them, within a week or so, uh, the clothes, um, a family member from California gave them money for a bus trip across country, And so then they moved on, and we don't know anything what happened with them since. But they were extremely grateful. Um, We have connections through the school system. Uh, A number of teachers in our congregation, um, and they requested food donations from families. For example, in December, there was a corporation who was supposed to provide food, Uh, for these three families, and that whole thing fell through. And so Sarah asked us, Sarah Thorburn asked us if we could help. And within just a couple of days, uh, food was gathered and the families were supplied with enough food. Um, I want to tell you, one of those families had 11 people in that family. So it was not a small family. Uh, Patty, Chris, and I uh, were just like in amazement of what the Holy Spirit was doing And we thought, we need to get organized here and try to put this down on paper and try to see what's happening. So we came up with a mission statement and a plan, and then we presented it to our elder brother, George Friend. He received it with great enthusiasm, presented it immediately to the ministering brothers who were also enthusiastic, and then he proceeded to present this to the New Year's Eve service. And then January was a donation month for this particular outreach. Um, meanwhile during Christmas time we asked the youth group if they wouldn't mind having a Christmas party with at that time there were 13 kids at the Harmony House the homeless shelter and um, it was amazing Josh Getz was the president then and he just didn't ask anything except what day shall we go um, and uh, the committee bought, bought presents for all the kids there and then we had a party with pop cookies and so on Brother Dave Bolianz told the Christmas story, and they sang Christmas carol, played games, and just got to know each other. Um, Some interesting things happened. It was really a really neat way to start this um, because all the people who interacted found out that they can serve in their own ways. The Awe family did some electrical work for the homeless shelter. Brother Josh came back and did some maintenance stuff. Um... There were other people who saw they could they could bring blankets from the sewing clubs I mean things that, for example, one person would not think about, but as a body of Christ, there were so many more interactions it was It was so neat to see this um, the other th- uh let's see what else Oh, the this is another thing that happened when we first connected with the harmony house they had just gotten word that they're having budget cuts and the director for the youth program was that job was being eliminated and one thing that they did was tutor the children after school for about an hour um, right at the time when the school buses are letting all the kids off and so somehow it became this thing that can we organize a tutoring program then you know that takes out a lot of our members because they need to be home for their own kids but Again, the Holy Spirit arranged, because it didn't come from any place else, enough volunteers that we've been able to maintain a, a tutoring program after school. Um, the next thing that happened, and somehow this fell on my shoulders, they wanted us to, to organize a 10-week summer program. And I said, how are we going to do that? I was leaving the country to Lebanon for two weeks. Um, we were going to church camp. How is this going to happen? And It's almost like I'm just hanging on, letting the Holy Spirit do this. In prayer, we prayed about this. Twelve week leaders came, and they agreed to plan a week each. And then we had a list of about twenty four helpers. and they planned the theme, they planned um, uh, what they were going to do, got their own help. And um, it's also a neat thing that we have so many really responsible people in our in, in, in our church. That we can. This is going on as I speak right now. I'm not there, um, and it's happening. And and I just think that's so neat. No one organization I've ever dealt with in work or whatever could you ever rely on that kind of um, um, of help that it would really be successful. But we're relying on God and the Holy Spirit, and it's just so neat to watch it happen. Um, Part of this summer program. It's it's just two hours. every Monday through Friday, every morning. But it's enough to help the kids stay connected and in helping our church stay connected. And um, with a initial prayer, um, they're hearing about Jesus, and as much as they're going to be part of our VBS the first week in August, um, Brother Ed Gerhardt is going to be making uh, birdhouses with them next week. Uh, they're going to have two weeks of swimming the next two the following two weeks in August, um, the Richland academies um, arranged seven educational sessions with them. Just lots of different things happen. Um, any rate, we have what did we learn from all this? Um, these people are really tough situations. Some of their own doing, some not. Certainly, the kids are victims. And they need help, and they need the love of Jesus. We've also learned the need to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. They do, some of them, really just try to take advantage of the free help. We need to pray before, during, and after. Um, we need to continue the plant seeds, and we can't judge whether or not we're being taken advantage of. We need to fill the need, stay focused on Jesus, and keep talking about Jesus, asking for prayer requests, and seeing the fruit, even if we don't see the fruit. Um, and as always, when one tries to go and help people in difficult situations or those in dire need, I think maybe we learn more, or at least as much, than, than those we profess to help.
0: Thank you. So as you can see, you don't need to necessarily go to a foreign country to be a missionary. So whatever, if you desire to be a missionary, if you desire to reach out, all you have to do is ask the Lord and he can provide. There are needs in every city in this country and in in our continent. I'd like to switch to foreign missions now. There are way too many to mention, and we praise the Lord for that. Uh, We'd like to focus on the three, as I mentioned earlier, Papua New Guinea literacy, then a little video clip from CLM and the Turvo Project, and then to wrap it up, the Paraguay uh, some information about a Paraguay work team. We're very fortunate to have uh, Brother Vic and Sister Elsie uh, Schlatter here with us, who were the founders in Paraguay. I'd like to call up Sister Elsie. Excuse me, Papua New Guinea. For those of you that are Canadian, these missions that we're highlighting right now Um, you can donate uh, through the mission board. Uh, As you know, there was some problem with the government, but that is being resolved. So as you hear some of these things, uh, there there is a way for your funds to help in these missions.
3: All right. um, Usually my husband does the speaking, but he's talking this afternoon, so I'm just going to try to fill you in on a few things here. We had the privilege of going to a Stone Age tribe in Papua New Guinea called the Wola people, and uh, that was back in 1961. Uh, The patrol officers first went in in 57, and the people had never seen steel there before, and it's awesome that they more or less bypassed the one period of time uh, during the... um, They have Old Testament reflections in their legends from their culture but they knew nothing about new testament times they had never heard the name of jesus and we began translating the scriptures and uh, we had been had training with wycliffe bible translators and we uh, as i said we went there first in 61 but the translation uh, was completed in 1978 and now in 2004 we're anticipating A fifth, printing. The Bibles have sold out with each printing, which is um, awesome, the interest that has developed in literacy and in God's Word. Okay, uh, how do they read the Bible? Well, they have to be taught to read, because when we went there, there was no written language. They didn't even have, like in some cultures, they have had hieroglyphics or picture writing. They had nothing in writing at all. So as we translated the scriptures, we had to begin a literacy class so they could learn how to read. And today, there are about 150 classes. Now, some of these are in preschool classes, some in community classes, and others are adult literacy classes. And the approximate cost of running this program is $1,000 per month. And there are around, like it says, 150 teachers, and most receive between $1 and $3 a month. And that is correct. But to them, it's a privilege to be able to share with people in their community, and they are respected because of the positions that they hold. And here on on the left is Amos Tagone. He's our Literacy Coordinator. And the Lord is really using him in a wonderful way to organize all of these 150 teachers spread out over a very large area and uh, here is just a picture of a few of the literacy teachers. Uh, they're holding up the primers that they use for teaching classes. And here just gives you an example of what an adult literacy class would be like in the village. People just sit on the ground, and they have somebody that teaches them, and they have their primers. And the one wonderful thing is is that their textbook is the Bible here's another example of a classroom situation where literacy is taught and here are just a few more literacy teachers they had an opportunity to go to a workshop where they could develop skills in teaching with other people that were involved in literacy in Papua New Guinea and here is a little bit larger picture of those that had an opportunity to go to this training program so we have an ongoing uh, uh, teaching teaching the, those that are involved in teaching literacy themselves so they can update their skills. And here, this is a, a precious story, one of the first believers who was, uh, uh, became literate, and their Bibles don't sit on the shelf. It's just an example of her Bible, and I asked her one time, I said, can I take a picture of your Bible? It was used, well used, and she has gone on to be with the Lord now. And this shows some of the blessing of literacy because these girls are, and some of you might have met Timothy and Ruth when they were visiting here from Papua New Guinea. Uh, Ruth has a girls' Bible school, but before they can go to Bible school, they have to learn how to read. So these girls, the first uh, step that they had in going to the Bible school was learning to read in the literacy classes. And this just gives you a little example here. Uh, We were at a meeting... People were sitting around there, and I just asked, "Would everyone that has a Bible and knows how to read hold it up?" And you, the, it's the red—it's uh, the book with the red cover, and it's Angalhanink, which means the true talk. And we probably—we're just estimating—the uh, population is probably around 60,000 today in that one language group, and perhaps about 15% are literate at this stage. Now, this really is the uh, end result of literacy. It's that people will come to a knowledge of Jesus and be saved. And this, just in April, this picture was taken in April this year. Uh, we went for a celebration that they had in commemorating forty three years ago when we brought them the first gospel message. Now these are third and fourth generations of the first people we went to, and there were one hundred and eighty eight young people baptized. Now this is about six churches uh, bapt- uh, people that had uh, individuals, young people that had been converted from a number of churches, and they got together for a community. Baptismal service. But this to us was just a special blessing to see like grandchildren and great grandchildren that have come to the Lord. And you notice the flowers around their hair, it's just bush flowers, but they said this is our celebration day, and they gathered flowers from the bush and made wreaths to put on their heads. So it is, it's a tremendous time of joy. Uh, These are, we just ask you to uh, join us. Uh, to pray for the literacy needs. There are many needs. Uh, There are no more missionaries there, but the indigenous church, it's alive and growing, and just to show by the number of young people that were baptized. Uh, But we do still need to give them support with prayer and with funding, and I know there's a lot of needs presented here today, and we just want to bless all of the work that has been presented from here in... The U.S., the home missions, and also in each of the other places. But as the Holy Spirit would speak to your hearts individually, there will be something that He would want you to, that the Spirit would want you to take part in. So we just appreciate anything that would be contributed for the ongoing literacy work because we see that as an important uh, aspect of the whole work in Papua New Guinea. Okay, thank you very much. I just want to add one more thing yet. There are some extra pictures that you might want to see up here on the platform that were taken of the celebration time that we had there in April and May. Some of the former missionaries joined us, and they just wanted to say thank you for bringing us the gospel, and it was directed as a praise to the Lord for bringing the gospel into their, uh, into their people group. So there are some extra pictures of that. And there are also some books there. Some of you are aware that Rosalie Donay had written a book about uh, more or less a biography of our time in Papua New Guinea, and you might want to get a copy if you don't have one. Thank you, and the Lord bless you.
0: Thank you, Sister Elsie. Uh, for those of you that knew, <clears throat> know that I... W- I had a presentation, I believe it was two years ago, when I had the privilege of going to Papua New Guinea, and that desire was born in my heart when I read that book. It's a fascinating uh, illustration of what God has done there. I'd like to now uh, go into the CLM turval and call Sister Amanda.
4: Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Amanda Gutai, and I'm from Mansfield. Uh, I just got back from CLM about two weeks ago, I went down there in May with Kathy Farmer from Richmond and Tasha Kabazinski from Norton. And I worked as a short-term missionary there for two months. And it was just amazing to see how much God could do in just those two months, both in my life and even in the kids' lives, to watch how they grew and they changed. Um, I was asked just to speak a little bit today to you about CLM and maybe get you a little more interested in it. And if you are interested in hearing more about it, we are going to have a presentation tomorrow afternoon if you want to hear more about that. For those of you who don't know, Canaan Land Ministries, or CLM, is a children's orphanage in southern Brazil. They currently have 35 children and 11 missionaries. The children, there's boys and girls, range from about 1 to, I think, 21 years of age. And they each came to CLM for different reasons. A lot of them were sexually abused, physically abused, or they were removed from their parents because of uh, neglect, malnourishment, or alcoholism, which is a huge problem in Brazil. Just to give you a few ideas, I had two stories that I thought of. There's one little girl who's seven years old. Her name is Jose Nilda, who came from Turvo. She, about a year ago, got really sick and she, her parents took her to the witch doctor, and on the way home, her father got really angry and killed her mother and threw her over a bridge, and Jose Nilda was the only person that actually witnessed this. Another little girl is Andrea, who is four years old. She and her two-year-old sister were sexually abused by their father for over a year, and it wasn't until um, Andrea's little sister was actually killed from the abuse that Andrea was brought to clm so the kids have a lot of a lot of traumas a lot of things that you know the kids the missionaries are working through in their lives and so they're not only providing the physical needs for these children but also the spiritual needs the emotional needs working through the things in their lives and it was amazing when i got there there was a sibling group of five that came two weeks before we did and just to watch how they changed, how they adapted to, to everyday life, how to, you know, learning to do things, learning about God because they had never even heard about God, and just the changes that took place in just two months in their lives. Um, the kids have a lot of fun, and we, I mean, we had a lot of time to play. We had a lot of time to work and even to talk about God and to, to work with them. Um, let's see what I, I can tell you. Um, there are a lot of needs, especially for short-term missionaries. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, what you know, what you know how to do. They will find things for you to do, no problem. And this here is Turvo, which is a small city about an hour from the current building. It is the site of where the second orphanage will be. This is the project that we're sponsoring this year for camp. Um, They received permission from the missionary committee to start the construction on July 1st. They've been working on getting up to this point for about two years already, and they have received 50% of the funds, but they still need another, I think, $200,000 to actually get the orphanage established, get it completely furnished. And to start bringing the children there. I have a few slides just of Turbo. I actually got to go there once with Tath- Kathy and Tasha, and then I was able to stay for the dedication which we had on July 4th. This is the town of Turbo. It actually has the highest infant mortality rate in that state. and you can see just by looking at it that you know it's a different place than here. Luisa and Anino, whose picture just went by, are the missionaries. They've been at CLM for 15 years who are going to be working there and starting that mission. I was talking before about how, you know, you can just see the change in the kids' lives. There's a picture, which will be coming up here, of four siblings that came to CLM, I think, two or three years ago. And just the change that's taken place in their lives. They were from Torvo from the backwoods and, you know, just by spending time with the missionaries there and letting them work in their lives and sharing with them about Jesus, you know, their lives are being transformed. Um, The needs right now for CLM, especially is for Turbo, to money to get raised for that, that, you know, that they can start bringing in children because there are still children dying there every day. You know, people say that, but like, it's really happening. Um, Something else is long-term missionaries they're going to need to to have. I think they're aiming for 10 to 12 missionaries eventually to grow up to that stage to be able to be a full working orphanage. Short-term missionaries, like I mentioned. And the last thing is to be prayer pals, which anyone can do, you can do, your children can do. And that's where I'm going to turn it over to Bethany.
5: Thank you. I'm Bethany Insurance from Medina, Ohio, and it's my job to coordinate the prayer pals, people who write to the children at CLM. And at this point, I do have at least one person writing to each child at CLM, so I'm thankful to God for that. Some of you are, have been writing to children and they've left, and I haven't been able to be in contact with you about that. So if you have any questions about the children that you're writing to currently, or if you would like to write to a child at CLM, please see me sometime this week. And you can come to our forum tomorrow afternoon. Kathy, Tasha, not Tasha, Kathy, Amanda, and I will be sharing about our experiences at CLM. We'll have our pictures from our recent trips there and more information about Operation Prayer, Writing to Children at CLM, and the Turbo Project. That's tomorrow afternoon at 1.30 in Campus Center, Room 105. Thank you.
6: I'm Tom Scherz from Medina. It was my wife's and my privilege last uh, end of November, beginning of December, to be down to visit, uh, spend about one week at CLM and then two weeks at Paraguay. And uh, so uh, we were at CLM and then we went to Paraguay. Uh, we were in Asuncion when we were in Paraguay. Our daughter Amy is there teaching. Um, Son Pedro is, is up north of there, uh, a little bit of the capital city you can see right in that crook on the left side. Um, and uh, Ciudad del Este is another place there, and they're, they're also starting another uh, work there, so they are very busy. Um, that's just an overview of Paraguay. The uh, they, Their native language is Guarani, which is an Indian language, and the Spanish is their official language. And uh, uh, this is a uh, sister, old sister who lives near the church, just a block or two away from church, that we visited one Sunday afternoon uh, while we were there. Next slide, please, friend. Uh, While were there, they also had the encuentro, which is, was a kind of a youth rally. Uh, there's a picture it was outside they don 't have room inside to have this. There were over hundred people there. People came from Argentina as well as down from San Pedro uh, speaker, and here they have special numbers, just like we do. Also on Sunday, they had baptism there uh, for three uh, converts who had, who had come, so it was added to the weekend. They uh, fed them as well, so they had to cook for these hundred people. And they didn't have some big fancy kitchen. Uh, The kitchen they had, you see on the next slide here, is is kind of small. Another picture right around the corner here. But to get fiber, so people in here preparing food, cooking for that uh, was not fun. This is obviously not the same day they were preparing those meals. Uh, They uh, visit and eat together just like we do at at camp here. Uh, And they uh, have uh, different activities. they set up a, you can see the the awning there. We were there in December, but that is like um, our June. Uh, the sun is very hot there, and so they set up that awning to be protected. They have recreation like we do, and uh, uh, next slide, we, you can see a picture. They, they got together for a picture on Monday morning as everybody was leaving. This runs from from uh, Friday through, through Monday. Uh, boys there slept in tents. Uh, it was really uh, much more of a camping than we do here. And uh, the girls, and there was a couple families that slept in some of the rooms in the church. This is a Saturday afternoon. Uh, they do a uh, kind of a Sunday school thing in the afternoon. The kids walk from the neighborhood. Uh, a little later on on Saturday, they they uh, have a youth group, and adults have a Bible study. And uh, um, they they really their goal is to keep the church open all week. They uh, uh, Pedro has has a study with. Um, uh, some, some uh, disciples class on, on Mondays, Karen and Oscar have, have some work with um, uh, in their neighborhood on Tuesday, and, and so they have a prayer meeting on Wednesday. Their goal is to be there at church all day. And with school, they actually are there all day and uh, have had a lot of people come and have a lot of contact through the neighborhood. Um, this slide is, if you back up one more slide, I just, uh, that's you know, soccer is big there, and so they start them kind of young. Uh, Next slide, you can see the the, uh, uh, front of the sanctuary. Uh, It's just kind of a wall there. There is a floor up above there. And uh, uh, this is what it looked like when we were there. The next slide, you can see they did finish that off because they needed another classroom. They had to move the office from the area to the left down there where the classrooms are. They were using one for an office. They needed that for the internal classes this year, so they had to finish that area up above, uh, put the office up there so they could move, uh, uh, use another classroom. Um, and that's the that'll be the, the main entrance to the sanctuary you go through those, those holes there and there's nothing there right now um, The next slide here shows a, uh, a view of the building you can see the their school seal up there they are registered with the uh, um, uh, board of education and so forth to, to have an actual school there's Amy teaching English uh, in a third in a fifth grade class there uh, so um, it's similar to us. They, they, have, they have boards. They conduct classes. The next is a third grade class there. And uh, the next slide just shows they, they have lines just like we do, uh, similar in many ways. They have recess. Uh, on the next slide, you can see them. Even if it, uh, if it rained, they, they get out there. And, and I'm sure they come home with some, some wet or dirty clothes sometimes, too, just like our kids do. They have projects. Uh, when Bethany was just down there uh, a couple weeks ago, They were just working on a missions project where they studied different countries around the world. And uh, you can see uh, countries where we have churches were on that. They dressed up as uh, the different countries they studied. studied. They prepared food from that country, and they presented a program for the parents. You can see them here on that same stage we saw at the the youth rally. Uh, They're presenting a program. And being winter, they did have some coats on there. This is the present sanctuary. It's it's the first building that was, was put there. The school area next to this, which is two stories, was added later, and they they want to continue. But if you notice that, it's, it's just one story. They need more classrooms. And what they want to do is get the sanctuary finished so they can divide this up into four classrooms. They'll put on a second story and have two classrooms on each floor, and they're going to need that. They're full. They had to even turn some kids away. They have 116 kids this year, which is about double what they had last year. They will be adding eighth grade so that they don't lose the seventh graders that they've had now for two years. Um, next year, so they will be needing uh, more space. Uh, this is the play equipment that they have there. I looked at it a little when I was there, and was uh, the, the railing by that rock way up on the top, you get back to the back end, it's not welded to there or anything, it just kind of flops. It's not real safe. Um, so they, they do have uh, lots of needs, things they could do if they had funds. This is what you get to when you walk through that nice front entrance to the sanctuary. They need to complete this so they can use Reuse that old sanctuary part, uh, and and for the for the school. Uh, Oscar and Pedro are the pastors there in Asuncion, uh, and uh, uh, are are very interested and active both in the school and church. Uh, there's another little little place in Asuncion, uh, in the district of Sahonia. Uh, you can see there a brick wall. Everything down there has walls around the properties. And uh, here we are coming to visit uh, the Sohonia Church once uh, Sunday afternoon when we were there. so you go in through the gate there's the church building it 's a wooden structure, uh, not very large uh, inside you can see it 's also very plain, uh, uh, very very modern air conditioning, uh, and uh, they have much more need of it there than, than here. It wasn 't real hot when they were down there, but when we were down there, but it's it 's not unusual to get up ninety five uh, hundred degrees um, on the wall there, just about the base of the window, there is actually a water line every few years it floods there. This is a very low low area, and the river uh, will come up and flood just the whole area and so uh, at some point this this structure really should be replaced with something something better to withstand some of that flooding. Um, off to the right there you can see the brick Sunday school buildings that they have Sunday school rooms that they have built there beside there and uh, just another another view of the of the Sunday school rooms. Uh, and then uh, Baldavino is the pastor there. He also is, is very active in, in the school. Amy will be coming home in, in uh, uh, December. Uh, in February of '05, they will start a new school year. They need an English teacher to help Karen out teaching English classes. She said, even if you don't know Spanish... Uh, if you could come down and relieve her of some of the duties of of, uh, English correspondence and and communications and stuff, perhaps that would free up more time that she could uh, teach additional English classes. Uh, One other quick mention, Paraguay, they they want to start an agricultural project. The son of the elder up in San Pedro uh, went to agricultural school, and he has a vision to do some training, uh, set up a teaching farm on the church property up there in San Pedro in the country, so that the people can learn to farm better, learn some better farming methods, um, and, and earn a better living. Uh, they have lots of needs uh, as far as building and uh, just source of funds, also needs for people to, to meet. One of those
7: Two weeks from today, a team of about 20 of us are going to be heading down to South America. We're going to arrive in St. Paulo Thursday morning, and there will be a chartered bus there to take us to CLM. And we'll spend a full three days there just um, visiting, seeing Turvo, and trying to be an encouragement to the, the people there. And then Monday morning, we'll be taking the same bus. Um, we'll be taking us to Paraguay. We'll stop at the Iguazu, the breathtaking Iguazu Falls on the way, and, uh, Lord willing, get to Asuncion in the evening. Tuesday morning, it's time to roll up sleeves and get to work. Um, there's a group of uh, several families, mine included, as well as a, a group of young people that are heading down there, and some of the projects that we intend to work on is the ongoing work at the Asuncion Church, which is, has been going on for some time. As well, there's work being done at the present time at the Sihonia Church, that structure that you saw there that exists in the floodplain. Um, They are working on, right now, building walls around the existing structure and we're hoping that those walls will be finished when we get there so that we can actually tear down the existing building and then build the roof structure over it and get as much done as possible while we're there. In addition, you might have noticed in one of the recent newsletters that Karen did ask about a new playground. Um, we are taking down accessories from here to build a new playground for the school. And so that's uh, a little bit of the work that um, that we would like to accomplish. And I am excited about uh, taking this team down to do this work here. I know all the team members are excited about being there. Um, the church in Asuncion, it was eight years ago at camp that the elders... Uh, endorsed this project of building the church in Asuncion. And as you can see, a lot of progress has been made, but the project uh, has stalled for lack of funds. And it's estimated that uh, it's going to be approximately $25,000 it's needed to finish um, the work in the church there, as well as rebuild the church in Sihonia. And so there has has been um, an appeal letter that has gone out for those funds. We are collecting for that here. All the money that is collected is going towards the materials and the work that is being done there. The team is going at their own expense. And you might wonder, well, why would we go there, um, spend that money, spend our vacation time doing, um, you know, spending our money and our vacation time doing this, wouldn't it make more sense to just take all that money that we're going to be spending doing that and sending it down there? The reality is that a short-term mission trip, even like this, is a life-changing experience and one that I would encourage as many as possible to try to get involved with. Not only do we hope to be an encouragement to them there, hope to get a lot of work done while we're there, but I know that it's going to be a, a life-changing experience for the people that are going, hopefully a time to grow spiritually, to grow closer together, to work together, and to come away with a greater appreciation for what we have here and a better understanding how the rest of the world, many in the rest of the world, live, and so I'm really excited about um, taking this team down and just want to, to challenge others that would possibly like to get involved in something like this to to think about uh, doing it Uh, you can get in touch with me you can get in touch with brother gary and this is something that we would like to i would like to see uh, many of us would like to see happen in the future that many of you young people can can do something like this and, and be involved in it and just want to thank all of you for your support ask for your prayer support for the team that is going down for safety and that we would be able to accomplish a lot, and also that you would be willing to support this project back in your home churches here at camp by providing the funds needed to do the work down there. Thank you.
8: Thank you very much, all the presenters. At this point, God is calling us to act. We've been touched this morning as the Spirit has opened up our eyes to what's happening in the world. So many needs. We can't even begin to to list all the areas that we can be involved in, but there's a few of them up here that uh, we should look at real quickly and then we'll have a closing prayer. Number one need that we hear time and time again from all the missionaries is pray for us. Pray for us. We need your prayers. There's a spiritual battle that takes place on the mission field and it takes place here. And the success of the missions, both here and abroad, will be on our knees, praying and interceding for them. Regular prayer. There's going to be a table. There already is a table down there. There's going to be prayer maps of the world that you'll be able to pick up a map of the world with all of our missions and be able to put that on your fridge or in your bedroom, wherever, to remind you to pray for our missionaries. Get involved financially. God is touching some of you this morning. Has been, perhaps for years, to somehow help out. Some of you on a regular basis, you can help out. Write a short note of encouragement. Email is now accessible for almost all missions. There's an email address list down on the table as you enter the dining room as well. Look for that. Pick up one of those and a short note is all you need. Sometimes you might have time to write a longer one, but don't just wait So you have time to write a two-hour email. Just a short note to say, I'm thinking about you today. I'm praying for you. God has put you on my heart. can make a world of difference for our missionaries and our workers abroad. Werner mentioned about getting involved in short-term missions and how it helps literally transform our worldview. And I can say that firsthand for me. I had the privilege of being in Brazil three times for a short-term project of two or three weeks, and in Africa for a three week project in '95. Uh, and each of those has transformed my faith, seeing how God operates, seeing how these people walk by faith in ways that sometimes puts us to shame, sadly. They have a vibrant faith, and that rubs off on us when we go. Consider giving monthly. We now have, through the Apostolic Christian Foundation, um, a monthly. Donation system that you can actually choose to give an amount, 50, 100, whatever God lays on your heart, and you'll be able to have that automatically be deducted or show up on your credit card every month. So if God lays on your heart to give, and you're worried about you're just not consistent with that, it's hard to write that check and, and get that in the mail every month, but you want to give consistently. You want to make that part of your tithe to give regularly as the Bible teaches us to do. Just call up Sister Jan Hodges. She'll put you on a list, give your credit card number, your expiry date to her, and she'll process it every month. $50, $100, whatever the Lord lays on your heart. For some of you that might be $150 or $200 or more. But uh, if your circumstances changes, don't worry about that. She can change that again. She can take you off the list. She can reduce the amount. But imagine if 100, 200, 500 of us were giving regularly. 500 times 100, $50,000 regularly coming through. It's amazing what can happen. Actually, 500, um, giving 1,000 would be 500,000. Imagine that. But there's just so much that can happen. We're planning to do a website to allow you to do that. Donation online eventually, but that's not quite there yet. The Lord has touched us this morning with so many needs, and we should come to him now in prayer. Invite him to continue to work on our hearts and pray for our missionaries as well. So let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Our loving Father in heaven, we are so moved at times when we see the needs around the world. We come before you right now. Asking, Father, for you to open up our eyes even more to the needs of our world. Father, we thank you that you've shown us the needs in Paraguay, the needs at CLM, the needs in Papua New Guinea. And we know that there are also needs in Africa, our mission in Ghana. We know that there are needs in other places in South America, Central America. We pray for Mexico. We pray for the mission workers there. We pray, Father, for the mission in Argentina. Tremendous poverty in Argentina, Lord. We pray that you would raise up finances and workers there that will continue the gospel in difficult circumstances. Father, we pray for your work at the other children's homes, Green Olive Tree Missions. Father, we pray for Nepomuceno's boys' Home. We thank you, Lord, that each one of these has workers that have stepped up to the challenge of serving you in a country where there are so many needs. We think of the abandoned children of Brazil. And we know, Lord, that it touches your heart, each one of them. And you want us to be involved somehow to bring the hope of the gospel to them. Wake us up, Lord, to the needs that are there. Help us to dig into our pocketbooks, and to give. You have given us so much in this country, Lord, and we ask that you'd forgive us for times where we don't let go enough of our financial resources. Father, we pray that you would help us to be in prayer more for our missionaries. We have so busy lives, so distracted often with the things of this world, and we pray that we could come away into a quiet place and whisper the names of our missionaries in prayer to you more. Father in heaven, we thank you for this mission forum that gives us just a little picture of what is happening in the world. And we pray that you continue to motivate each and every one of us as we go back to our churches to see how we can get involved, whether it be in the foreign field missions or in our local missions. Lord, we know that the fields are white for harvest, even in our own backyards. We pray, Father, right now, that you would touch us, continue to work through us this week, that your Holy Spirit would have free course in our lives. Thank you again, Father, for the privilege that we have to be here at camp. We thank you, Father, for the moving of your Spirit, and we pray that he would continue to touch us through the power of the name of Jesus. And it's in that name that we pray. Amen.